Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. I really appreciate you guys being here tonight. I want to welcome all of you who are joining us by live stream and also those who listen by podcast as well. And uh, we've had a, a good year in both of those things. Our live stream uh, group is growing every month. And uh, we've, we're right around 60 users a month on live stream. And our podcast downloads for 2017 averaged about 900 a month. So uh, we're, we're touching a lot of lives outside of these walls. And I'm grateful to God uh, for that. God is blessing us abundantly, not only here in McKinney, but also in Irving and in Granbury as well. You know, I just want to remind you, we do have two other campuses. Hey, you know what you should do this year? Go visit one on a Sunday. Be fun. Not every Sunday, but on a Sunday. You should just uh, load up your family and say, hey, let's go to one of our other One Cause locations. Try something new this year. And uh, um, Irving's closer for sure, but I know Pastor Lowell would appreciate some of you maybe showing up and saying hi out to our Granbury campus as well. And I want you to see what all we're made of and where God has sent us and planted us and uh, it's, it's marvelous. I know Pastor Brian and Jonna. Pastor Jonna's back here with sweet baby Emma Louise. And uh, it's great to have you, Jonna. Where's your husband tonight? He's at home. Hmm. Well, we're going to have a discussion a little later about that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, anyway, so uh, a lot of great things uh, God has in store for you. Uh, can I get a good amen there? Amen. amen. It's always nice to have a new year, isn't it? I love God. God sets us up with so many new beginnings. Every day is a new beginning. And that new beginning, that morning starts off with brand new mercies. I love that. His mercies are new every morning, which means they never wear out. They never grow old. You know, God never gets tired of you. Your wife might get tired of you. Your boss might get tired of you. You might get tired of you, but God never gets tired of you. His mercies are new every morning. Everything with Him is a new experience, and He says, Behold, I do a new thing. If anyone's in Christ, He's a new creation. Amen. Always new beginnings with God. Not only, not only every day, but every year we get maybe a reset, a restart, a new start, new things, because God's always wanting us to look forward, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher, which means there's always a future. And you see, we're all going into the future, right? We're all going there. Um, but not everybody's going into a future that's a hopeful future. You see, you and I have that great advantage in our relationship with God. He says, I give you a future and a hope. With God, there's always hope. So I want to encourage you this year to hope in God. And believe that it's never over. There's always hope. Amen. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them, it's never over. There's always hope. Amen. As long as Jesus Christ is the way, there's a way. Huh? As long as He's the truth, there's the truth. As long as He's the life, there is life. And He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Amen. Because it looks dead don't mean it's dead and gone. Amen. He is the resurrection and the life. He is your healer. I believe in that for this year, my family, this is going to be your healthiest year yet. Amen. Can you accept that tonight? Can you receive that tonight? 
that disease, chronic pain, sickness, allergies will no longer, no longer plague you any, anymore in Jesus' name. You are the healed of God. You're going to experience what it's like to have His supernatural intervention in your normal, everyday course of life. Amen. This is the year for breakthrough financially too. It really is. Listen, He paid too high a price for you and I to live in lack and sickness and disease. Jesus paid it all. He forgave you of all your sins and He healed you of all your disease. And He, by His mercy, by His grace, Paul said it like this, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor, that you through His poverty might become rich. Now, my family, I, you know, if I was a religious person, I would say, yes, that means all spiritual riches. It does, but that's not the only thing. It actually means outward, express, outward material wealth. Outward material wealth. Amen. He wants you blessed in every way, and you're blessed with every spiritual blessing. Don't forget, everything starts in the Spirit first. God is Spirit. He spoke, and matter then gathered around that Word. Amen. He spoke. Everything starts in the Spirit, and the Scripture says you are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, which only stands the reason if you're blessed with every spiritual blessing, my family, you're blessed with every natural blessing too. Amen. Let's go to 2 Corinthians tonight, chapter 10. I want to ask a few of you, if you wouldn't mind, to help me read some scriptures tonight. Um, and if you brought your Bibles, have your Bibles uh, with you. Uh, that way, if I call on you, that you can be ready to go to. As a matter of fact, let me just give some of them out right quick, and then we'll come to them. Um, Nathan, since you have the microphone, we'll start with you. If, you. if you will, go to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 24, and then you can hand that mic right over next to you, to your lovely wife. And Heather, if you'll read Numbers 22, verses 23 and 31. Numbers 22, verses 23 and 31. And then maybe I'll call on, well, shoot, let's just keep it going. Faith, uh, if you'll do Joshua 5, 13 and 14. That would be grand. And Madeline Land, Madeline Land, 1 Chronicles 21.16. And then we'll move it over to Chris Schaefer for Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 25, sir, if you would do that. And then let's shoot it over to, uh, well, let's do your, uh, right there next to you, take it to your wife, Romans 13.12. And then we'll see what happens from there on. But first, I want us to bring up 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and uh, as we are continuing in the Corinthian letters, you know, we're just walking through these chapters and not necessarily in any order, but I do want to remind you that along the way, if you have questions, please feel free to ask questions tonight, all right? If you've got Bible questions or um, if you've got marriage questions, Heather can come up here and answer any of those. Uh, she's an expert in that. And uh, anyway, oh, we have a question already. Oh, Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 25, yes. All right. So please, along the way, just understand we'll need you, you to ask that question on a microphone if, if you're okay with that um, because uh, we have people that are watching by live stream and listening by podcast, and we want everybody involved in this service tonight. All right? Are you with me? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we're going to read verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, say in the flesh. Now, I want you to notice it does not say we walk by the flesh. What do we walk by? 
We walk by faith, right? And we walk in the Spirit as well. We, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. So what does this verse tell us? One, we are more than just our flesh. And two, how many of you have been Christian more than five minutes? Okay, you understand that there is a war that we are also in. All right, there is a war. There is a God, there is a devil, there is a world, right? We have, we have there, there, there is a warfare continuing to happen, right? Let's not be ignorant coming into 2018 and act like there's not a war and act like there's not a real devil who's out to destroy, to steal, to kill from us. And so tonight, what I want to arm you with is how to overcome and how to be aware of his devices because, you know, it's real easy. It's real easy to walk by the flesh if we allow ourselves. It's easy to, to turn off that awareness that we are spirits, that we are children of God, and that he has given us the victory that for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested to destroy the works of the devil, and he really did do it. And the, defe- the devil is a defeated foe. All right, so now it's on us here to continue to enforce and to invoke the victory that he gave us. So we don't war then according to the flesh. We don't war through fleshly means or through trying to outwit the devil. Let me just tell you tonight, you can't outwit him. He's been around a lot longer than you have. Hey, listen, if he can convince one-third of the angels in heaven that he could whip God and overthrow him, he's got some pretty persuasive powers. But see, here's the thing that they didn't have that you have. You have the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead living on the inside of you. And that spirit, Jesus said, will guide you into all truth. He'll teach you all things. He'll show you things to come so that you don't have to be prey or to fall prey to the devil and his tactics, all right? Because he roams about like a roaring lion. He's seeking whom he may devour. He can't just devour you. He has to have permission. So don't give him permission, all right? Don't give him a doorway. So tonight, I want you to see something. The, the enemy's scheme from the very beginning, this is his MO, all right? And we're going to see here in verse 4, it says, For the weapons of, of our warfare are not carnal, all right, but mighty in God. Everybody say, mighty in God. All right, for pulling down strongholds. Interesting. For the weapons, notice that it is plural. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not carnal. I want to give you the Greek word because I just want to say it. Sarkikos. Now, I don't know if that's actually how you say it, but that's how Eric Holler wants to say it. It's S-A-R-K-I-K-O-S. Sarkikos. Come on, let's make a friend of the word. Sarkikos. This is what it means. It's the word for carnal, all right? It means to be governed by human nature and strength as opposed to being governed by the Spirit of God, all right? To be governed by human nature and strength as opposed to being governed. So the weapons of our warfare are not governed by human nature and strength, right? The weapons of our warfare are governed by the Spirit of God. Can I get a good amen? Now, it's interesting, you know, God has weapons. He has weapons. And so we're going to see in Scripture just some different places where we see some weaponry of God. Genesis chapter 3, verse 24, and Nathaniel, if you would read that. 
So he drove out the man, and he placed cherubim at the east of the Garden of Eden, and a flaming sword which, which turned every way to guard the tree of life. To guard the way to the tree of life. So remember when Adam and Eve had been excommunicated from the Garden of Eden, and the reason was is because God did not want them to eat of the tree of life. They had already eaten of the tree, the forbidden tree, God's tree. He said, you can have everything but this tree. But they ate of the forbidden tree with the, with the forbidden fruit, therefore they reaped death. By one man's sin, death came to all men, right? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But then there was this other tree called the tree of, hmm? the tree of life. And when they ate of that fruit, that put them, that gave, sustained their life continually. But God, what God did not want, now this is a mercy move from God. This was not just Him kicking them out of the garden. This was the merciful move of God to get them out of the garden so they could continue to do what He told them to do, to be fruitful and multiply, subdue the earth, fill the earth and subdue it, right? And He knew that if they could still have access to that tree of life, then they would forever be in that fallen state forever and ever and ever and ever. So this was a merciful move by God to get them out of there. And so we see that there was a flaming sword that turned every way to keep them from having access to it ever again. Numbers chapter 22, verses 23 and 31. Heather, read, please. Now the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand, and the donkey turned aside out of the way and went into the field. So Balaam struck the donkey to turn her back onto the road. Verse 31. Balaam. Mm -hmm. Balaam. 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 Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, <laughs> and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand, and he bowed his head and fell flat on his face. Uh, Y'all remember the story of the talking donkey, right? The, the donkey sees the angel before Balaam, the false prophet, sees the angel. He's riding to go curse Israel. He's been hired by Balak the king of Moab, to curse, to pronounce a curse over Israel. And on his way there, the angel of the Lord standing there. The donkey's like, I'm not going anywhere. And so then Balaam thinks the donkey's just being stubborn, so he starts beating his donkey. And finally, the angel of the Lord opens his eyes, and he sees the angel there with the sword. The angel. Now, this is not just any ordinary angel. This is the angel of the Lord. This is the angel of angels. This is really Jesus with a sword in his hand. And you can read, a little later on that you can see in the New Testament where it talks about people who are going in the way of Balaam. That is, they are, they are doing spiritual things for profit, for money. And that's what Balaam was going to do uh, to pronounce a curse, do a spiritual thing. Um, just for fun. <laughs> I don't know why I'm going to tell you this tonight. But King James Version is kind of fun to read when it comes to donkeys and um, uh, the second Peter, chapter 2, um, verses 15 and 16, um, I told, y'all yeah, remember Jeremy Parham, uh, our worship leader and youth pastor that we had for many years, I, I came across this passage one day and I came to work and said, Jeremy, I found you in the Bible, and he said, you did, and uh, you want to bring that up, right? King James Version, second Peter, chapter 2, verses 15, now this is just you know, for for us here tonight. Um, verses 15 says, which have forsaken the right way and gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Bosor or Besor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. 
but was rebuked for his iniquities. The dumbass speaking with man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. There you go. Okay, that was free. All right, Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. <laughs> it's in the Bible. Uh, do you have Joshua? Faith. Faith has <laughs> Joshua chapter 5, verse 13 and 14. Sorry. <laughs> and it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked. And behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? Stop right there. Interesting. So Joshua comes across this again, an angel who has a sword, and it is a daunting sight, apparently. So Joshua draws near because they're in the middle of a battle here, and he says, are you for us or are you for our adversaries? I love the way the angel answers him. Read, read on. So he said, no. Stop right there. <laughs> I love that. Are you for us or for adversaries? The angel said, no. <laughs> but as what? But as commander of the army of the Lord... I have now come. Ah, isn't this awesome? In other words, he's saying, no, I'm here to take over. <laughs> now you're on my side. Amen. And he did. So we see again, we see a sword in the hand. Of 1 Chronicles 21, verse 16. Then David lifted his eyes and saw the angel of the Lord standing between earth and heaven, having in his hand a drawn sword stretched out over Jerusalem. So David and the elders clothed in sackcloth, fell on their faces. So now we see King David has seen the angel of the Lord with the sword in his hand. Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 25, Mr. Chris Schaefer. The Lord has opened his armory and brought out weapons to vent his fury. The terror that falls upon the Babylonians will be the work of the sovereign Lord of heaven's armies. Wow. So he has opened his armory, it says, and has brought out the weapons of his indignation. So we see that God has weapons. Now let's go to the New Testament. Uh, Romans chapter 13 and verse 12. Miss Renee. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us put on the armor of light. I love that. Listen to this. 2 Corinthians 6, 7. It says, By the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left. And, of course, you know Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verses 10 through 18. It shows us to put on the whole armor of God, right? Huh? How many of you went to Sunday school? You remember? The helmet of, the breastplate of, the belt of, huh? The feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Huh? The... Sword of the Spirit, the shield of faith. Above all, taking the shield of faith. The Scripture says, wherewith you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Think about this. The shield of faith quenches all the fiery darts of the wicked one. It didn't say most of them. It didn't say a few of them. It didn't say some of them. It says all of them. You see that faith is the victory that overcomes the world. And this shield of faith, Quenches all the fire. What are the fiery darts of the wicked one? What is that? I mean, is, he, is this a literal fiery dart? No. The Scripture likens the tongue to that as a fire. So these are his hurling accusations, his lies he's throwing at you to see if any of them will penetrate the armor. If you happen to just be in a weak place in your life where you'll open up and receive the lie. Hmm? 
But if you keep your faith up, if you keep that shield of faith up, the lie can never penetrate. Hmm? His, his accusations, his lies can never take root in your life. Amen. So we walk by faith and not by sight. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. 1 Thessalonians 5.8 says, But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. So we see that there are these weapons, and the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. They're made up of faith, righteousness, love, truth, salvation. Amen. It says, uh, verse 4 of 2 Corinthians 10. Alex, if you can bring that back up. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. All right? Now, we need to understand what strongholds are. All right? Because there, there has been some misconception of what strongholds. When I, was a, when I was a kid, it seemed like we were always pointing up in the sky and rebuking strongholds commanding demonic strongholds to be brought down over cities and over all that kind of stuff. And I'm not terribly against that stuff. I'm just not real sure how effective it is. Y'all got way too quiet on me there, but all right. I'll just... What this is speaking of specifically, though, the stronghold is... Now, listen to this. You might want to write this down. Anything on which one relies. Now, watch this specifically of arguments and reasonings by which a disputant endeavors to fortify his opinion and defend it against his opponent. Wow. Remember we talked about living in by godly counsel and wisdom or by our opinions? Hmm? Those that have just fortified themselves with opinions? With arguments, this is what this is talking about. Anyone, anything on which one relies in the way of their own fortification by their argument. Wow, that kind of opens up. What, okay, what's a stronghold then? It's something that you've set up between your two ears in your head. Huh? Your own human reasoning. And have grabbed the hold of it and said, I'm sticking with my opinion. I'm sticking with my way. And that's the way it is. I can't help the way I think. That's just how I think. Hmm? Okay. Now look at this. It says, casting down. Verse 5. Casting down. Everybody say casting down. Casting down arguments. Interesting. The first thing it hits is arguments. Or this can be translated uh, uh, imaginations. Casting down. It means to pull down or to demolish the subtle reasonings of opponents likened to a fortress, <laughs> to demolish the subtle reasonings. Now, I want you to notice something. Your number one opposer is the devil, right? And let me tell you something about him. His, his scheme is very subtle. He didn't just come in and expose, I'm the devil. He comes in with subtleties. Hmm? And you have to watch those subtleties. Because, man, they sound good, especially when you're ticked off, especially when you're hurt, especially when you've been cheated, you've been wronged. Those subtleties all of a sudden make a lot of sense. Come on, am I talking to anybody tonight? Huh? Or if you want to continue to do what you're doing and justify it, oh, there are a lot of subtleties that come in. 
that way. A lot of reasons why it's okay that you continue to do this. I mean, we can all talk ourselves into anything, can't we? Hmm? And continue to justify what we're doing and why we're doing it. Subtleties. But this, listen to this. This is to pull down, to demolish those subtle reasonings. See, you have the ability, you have the power to demolish those subtle reasonings that try to take you out. To pull down, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. It's exalting itself against the knowledge of God. So we have an imagination or we have an argument. Now, notice this. Then it says it exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Now we also have a contradiction, don't we? Against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity, every thought. So now we have thoughts. So uh, this is what, this is what his, his attack is made up of. Imaginations or arguments, contradictions, and thoughts. Okay? All this happens right up here. Now watch this. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, contradictions, bringing every thought, our thoughts, into captivity through obedience of Christ. Now, let's go to the book of Genesis for a moment, uh, chapter 3. I want to show you the very first place we see the, the devil at work in the earth, all right, and how he got, this, got Eve deceived, all right, how this whole thing played out. Genesis chapter 3, let's begin reading in verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning or crafty or subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? What has he done here? Did, he just, did, did, did the devil come in with an immediate contradiction? No, he proposed a thought, didn't he? Has God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Now what did God say? What did God say? Let me just show you something right quick. I want to I just read this to you. I'm just going to go to the prior chapter. Are you guys all right? Can you take a little bit more? Okay. Well equipped for the battle. Well equipped for the war. Mighty in God. Okay, now listen to this. Verse 16 of chapter 2, if you're taking notes, Genesis 2, 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. This is the first part of it. Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. How much did it cost them to eat of the trees of the garden? How many of them can they eat of? Every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat for in that in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die now watch how subtle the serpent is verse let's go back to 1 has god said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden do you see how subtle he is god said of every tree you may freely eat just leave that one tree alone but what is he getting them to focus on what they can't have not what they freely already have. Okay, next, verse 2. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. Now, I notice when she repeated, she's trying to repeat what God said, but she left out a key word here, freely. Hmm? So now she is already minimizing 
what she remembers that God said. I'm telling you, this is all subtleties. Next, verse 3. But of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. <laughs> lest you die? No, you're sure enough going to die. So she kind of even minimizes the penalty, lest you die. No, he said, surely you're going to die. All right, verse 4. Then the servant said to the woman, watch, you will not surely die. Now what do we have? Flat out contradiction. You will not. Once he saw that he entertained her with that thought, then he went in for the juggler, went in for the kill. You will not surely die. Watch. Verse 5. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Let me ask you a question. Why didn't, why didn't Adam here step up and kick that serpent in the mouth? He's standing right there. Let's not forget he's standing right there next to his wife, letting the snake talk to her. All right? But again, you'll be like God. What's the issue here? What's the problem here? They forgot something, didn't they? They're already like God. He's not telling them anything new. In Genesis 1.26, God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Hmm. You'll be like him. That, right there they should have said, that's no news. We're already like God. What are you talking about? Knowing good and evil. So what he's getting them to see or to believe is that God is holding out on you. Get them to see what they can't have rather than what all they freely have. Next. Listen, this is the lie of religion. It's still in the earth today, my family. The religion hates when we talk about people being healed. Religion hates when we talk about people prospering. It always wants to minimize the Word of God. Always wants to minimize God's supply and His blessing in your life. This is all straight from the devil himself. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, what just happened? Hey, was this tree good for food? Was this tree of knowledge of good and evil good for food? Or was it good for death? She saw that it was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, a tree desirable to make one wise. What's happened now? She has an imagination now. Now she has fortified herself in an argument against the Word of God. And now she sees it, not how God told her to see it, but how she has reasoned through His subtleties, the serpent's subtleties to see it. No, this is going to make me wise. She took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Oh, my. Are you hearing me today? You have to fortify yourself, not with your own reasoning, but with the weapons that are not carnal, but those that are mighty in God. What are those? Faith in God. The Word of God in your mouth. Amen. Prayer. With all kinds of prayer. Praying in the Spirit. Declaring the mysteries of God. Amen. All right. Give me about five more minutes. All right. I want you to go to Isaiah chapter 14 for just a moment because this is, we see uh, how the enemy, what caused his fall when he was beforehand, Lucifer. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. This is Isaiah 14, 12. 
how you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, where did he say it? In his heart, I will, won't you notice all the I wills, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. Verse 14. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Verse, uh, is that all we had? Yeah. For you have said in your heart, you have said in your heart. This is what he said. He devised this in his heart, see. Said these things in his heart. I'm grateful to God to be a child of God tonight. To know that my heart and your heart and all who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ has been completely and totally changed. That now your heart is totally made new. As a matter of fact, you are so much like Him that it's impossible now for your heart to ever have a wrong desire. Wow. So all that kind of stuff comes from this thing called flesh and human reasoning. There's a difference between the thoughts of the mind and the thoughts of the heart. The enemy said it in his heart. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands here, but you have failed sometime in your life. You said something you wish you hadn't said. You've done something you wish you hadn't done. You thought something you wish you hadn't thought. What causes you to think that you did something wrong? What, what is it that made you feel bad about what you did, said, or thought? Something was at work on the inside of you that made you know, hey, that was not good. That was not right. Something on the inside of you, because if what is on the inside of you, the very center of who you are, was away from God, whatever you said, thought, or did wouldn't matter. But there's something else on the inside of you called the nature of God now. Being a new creation in Christ so that when you act against that new nature, when you think against that new nature, are you hearing me? When you speak against that new nature, it grieves you on the inside. See, this is where a lot of Christians fall into the trap of condemnation. They fall into the trap of condemnation by that bad feeling, by that sorrow. The sorrow is a good thing. See, that should encourage you. Because maybe at one time in your life, it wouldn't have mattered. But now it matters. Now it means something to you. Now you feel bad about it. That ought to tell you, praise God, I do have a redeemed heart. He did this from his heart. We have this mind to deal with. that We're transformed now by the renewing of our mind, right? So that we can serve God and we can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's going to happen when we get our minds right. See, when you got say, I wish to God our minds had gotten saved too, but well, they didn't. That's, that's our walk here on the earth to get this mind right. And that's going to take one step at a time. One thought at a time. Am I right? But see, you have the power to change what you think. This is, that's why he said, pull down those arguments, those imaginations. Cast those things down. Do not allow them to be fortified against the knowledge of God. Bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So that way, listen to me, your 2018 can be one where you're not led astray, where you're not tripping up all the time. 
where you're not going through the same thing over and over again, where you don't find yourself defending, 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 defending all the time. When you can truly live clean and free. And in accordance with His will, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Those thoughts that come that are contradictory to the knowledge of God, you know them because your spirit immediately catches on to that. Don't fall into condemnation. Just say, nope, those are not my thoughts. He's given me his thoughts. He's given me his nature. I am not going to fall into condemnation. This is not who I am. I'm a new creation in Christ. I put on the mind of Christ. I refuse to let these thoughts define me. He's already defined me. He's already said who I am. I am the righteousness of God. See, this is how you say it. You, do, you, you combat those thoughts by opening your mouth and declaring the truth. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Why don't you say that tonight? I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am holy. I am blameless. I'm above reproach in His sight. I'm a child of God. See, there's something about that. When we open our mouths and we begin to confess the Word of God, it, it energizes us. Hmm? Energize yourself. Change the way you think by speaking His Word. And don't let those subtleties, those lies come in and set up new imaginations and new arguments. The Scripture says, this is my last thought, Hebrews chapter 4, it says, the Word of God is living and powerful, Hebrews 4, 12. The Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I thank God that God's not judging me. By, <clears throat> that word is not discerning what's up here. It's discerning what's here. See, he sees you according to the thoughts of your heart, not up here. <laughs> oh, man, that makes me want to take a deep breath and thank you, Jesus. See, he knows, he knows you've got, you got to renew that mind. All right? He's looking at you right at your heart, and he sees pure motives. He sees right motives all the time. It's amazing how he can sanctify those motives, too, and we'll talk about that next week. Really, this is, that'll be the second part to what we're talking about tonight, but we're out of time, and I'm so glad you came. Amen. Let's stand together. Thank you, Lord. Can we just lift our hands to the Lord for a moment? Let's just open our mouths and just offer up a thanksgiving to Him. Just let, let the fruit of your lips offer up praise and thanks to His name. Thank you for a new year. Thank you for a new start this year, a new beginning. Hallelujah. God has taken you into new things. He's taken you into greater things. Amen. Amen. Let's be like Mary who said, Lord, let it be unto me according to your word. Listen, He's got big plans for you, big things in store for you. And it's, gonna, it's, gonna, it's more than what you can possibly do on your own. He wants to partner with you this year. He wants to show Himself strong on your behalf. He wants you to believe Him no matter what you see. No matter what you've seen in the past. He wants you to understand He's on your side tonight. And He has a plan, He has a future, and He has a hope for you. Hallelujah. That 2018 truly can be and will be your best year yet. I believe that with my whole heart because He has taken you into good things, into greater things. Thank you, Father God. Lord, let it be unto us according to Your Word. We offer ourselves, our bodies as living sacrifices to You in 2018. Lord, we choose to let our minds be renewed, to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, to not 
continue to think the same old thoughts and to fortify ourselves in our own opinions and thoughts and reasonings, but to lay everything at your feet, to humble ourselves unto our God and say, God, we want to think thoughts that glorify you. We want our minds, Lord, to be in subjection to you, to bring them into obedience to Christ, to put on the mind of Christ so that, Lord, with the mind we serve the Spirit and not the flesh. Thank you, Father God, for empowering your people to rise above the subtleties of the snake, the lies of the enemy that try to creep in and bring division and destruction and harm and hurt. I thank you right now that his lying mouth is stopped tonight. And Lord, there's something powerful about when we offer up praise and thanksgiving. Your word says, out of the mouths of babes and and nursing infants, you have ordained strength or or you have perfected praise because of your enemies to silence the enemy and the avenger. Hallelujah. Tonight, I want to just make this a practice this year, my family, to just, whenever you've got those those thoughts, those kind of confusion that kind of confusion that sets in, those settlements that come in and, and you kind of find yourself in a fog, open your mouth and just start praising God, all right? Because that shuts the devil down real quick. Uh, and if you'll just make it a habit, every time he comes in with a lie that you lift your hands in praise, he's going to stop coming to your house. Amen. You just offer up, just open your mouth and thank God. Thank you for reminding me, devil, I needed to praise Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I bless you, Lord, that you defeated the devil. And God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, but of peace. Thank you, Lord, for peace this year. Peace in every household, health and wholeness, prosperity and blessing in every household in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that you are the God of more than enough, El Shaddai. And I declare that they will experience this year what you are able to do, which is exceedingly, abundantly, above all that they could ask or think in the name of Jesus. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.